Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center. We're in Random Lake, Wisconsin. Come to you each day at about 9 a.m. Central Time with a, what we call the Congregation at Prayer, which is a guide for daily meditation and prayer. Lead the congregation through this reading, or these readings, and uh, so there's some catechetical element where we echo back and forth. I ask questions, you answer them, much like Jesus does in the temple today, which we'll recognize, um, but also uh, some memory. Uh, work. And then some, for a lot of it, like the catechism, this is, I imagine for you, um, a refresher of memory work that you did when you were a child, uh, which is necessary because our memories aren't so good. Our brain muscle gets a little bit old, doesn't it? All right. Well, let's get the devotion up on the screen. There we are. And we'll begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our memory verse for this week, we say together, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Our psalm this week is Psalm 104, beginning in verse 16. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works, and wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan, whom you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. First reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There ends the reading. And a reading from Luke chapter 2. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, and then sought sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There ends the reading. All right. So, I was thinking about saying something about Deuteronomy. Let's just look at the Luke text and we'll maybe come back to Deuteronomy. All right. In verse 40, uh, which comes right before this reading, uh, we find out that the same thing that we hear here in verse 52, which is that Jesus was filled with what? Luke 2 verse 40 says the child grew, we heard this yesterday, grew and became strong in the spirit. Here it is, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. We see it again here in Luke chapter 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and with favor, and in favor with God and men. Um, who was the oldest, or excuse me, wisest man in the Old Testament? This would be, of course, Solomon, right? Son of David. Not a coincidence. There are no coincidences. In, or there are no conspiracies. There's only coincidences in the Bible. Yes. Behold, um, I have done according to your words. See. I have given you a wise and understanding heart, this is the Lord speaking to Solomon, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I've also given you what you have not asked, riches and honor, etc. So, no coincidence, Solomon, being the son of David, was the wisest born of of man. (laughs) Now, what was Solomon's greatest accomplishment? What was he known for? Not a coincidence here. (laughs) <laughs> to our reading, he was known for building the temple. That's right, in Jerusalem, com- completing the work uh, that David began. All right, so we have the temple. We have the wise man Solomon. All right, you see context? Very important. 
uh, why is verse 41 then important? Yes, Jesus keeps the law that he instituted, right? He kept the Feast of Passover every year um, to, in particular with Jesus, as we'll see in Matthew, uh, as we talk about his baptism on Sunday, to fulfill the sacrificial law, to fulfill the law that was given. That's to complete it, is another way to say that. Of course, what was the Passover? Just a refresher there. What was the importance of the Passover? That's when the angel of death would pass over, there it is, the homes that were sprinkled with the blood of the lamb on their doorway, that is, on the beams and the lentils, as we say. How many times is the Passover celebrated in Luke? This is different, um, I think, than Matthew. And I know in particular in Luke, it's only mentioned twice. Twice. The next time it's going to be mentioned is when Jesus enters the holy city. I think that's in uh, Luke 22, if I remember right. Let's check. The feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, named surnamed Iscariot. Right. So this is right after the, he enters the holy city, after he's been teaching. We find out it is Passover week. Uh, why do, you, do we hear about Jesus visiting the temple, not coincidence, at age 12? Luke is big into numbers. Yeah, it reminds us that Jesus came to be the Messiah promised to the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Israel, and to carry out the work of redemption that was promised. What, uh, by the way, this reading is, this visit to the temple is only in Luke. What did Jesus do at the end of the feast? What does it say here? He lingered behind in Jerusalem. What other story in Luke's gospel, we try to let you know, a book, interpret the book, right, um, internally. So, what other story tells about people on the road after a feast in Luke's gospel? All right, now this is very important in understanding uh, the gospel of Luke. We've been talking about the last couple of days is that there's always, get my hands on the screen, bookends, all right, bookends. So, Luke will introduce an idea at the beginning, and you'll see the same thing reflected at the end, right? So, we have the Passover now of the Passover at the end. We have Jesus in the temple now. We have Jesus at the end entering into the temple to teach, okay? Um, and I think, oh yes, yesterday we talked about Jesus went into Egypt at the beginning, but now he'll go, he'll send his gospel out to Egypt and to all the Gentile nations at the end, right? So there's these bookends. And then it's all working towards the middle and it'll work out from the middle. Um, that's what uh, Greek grammarians call a chiasm. A chiasm, it looks like like a triangle. So, um, A, A, B, B, C, C, D, D, E, E, maybe F in the middle, right? And it works its way back out again. All right. It's a unique feature in Luke's gospel. You can, you'll, see it, you'll see little ones internally, and then you have the big one. That's the whole book. Um, all right, so again, the story then, and this was all by way of it, giving you a hint as to another time when uh, there's people on a road after a feast. Well, we're at the beginning of the book, so you would expect it to be close to the end of the book, right? And that's in Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things that had happened. 
So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Notice he's actually engaging in the same kind of dialogue that he does in the temple. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things that have happened there in these days, etc.? All right, you get the idea. Yeah, this is on the road to Emmaus. Um, How long did it take Mary and Joseph to find Jesus? It says here, verse 46, now it was after three days, right, that they found him in the temple. Of course, three days. There's a story about three days at the end of the book as well. And that's, of course, the story of the resurrection on the third day. Uh, Where did Mary and Jesus, excuse me, Mary and Joseph find Jesus? Yeah, in the temple, right? Sitting with the teachers, listening and asking questions. This is a precise description of what catechesis is. You sit with the teacher, you listen to the word, and then you ask questions about it. That's what we're doing, right? That's exactly what Jesus did. And that's how, note, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, is by listening to the word, his own word, but asking questions about it, right? Uh, Of course, this is like the road to Emmaus too. Um, I didn't read this far, but uh, we'll jump back into it here. Um, Later on in that reading, uh, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? Enter into into his glory? Question mark. See? Question. And then they're going to answer. We don't have their answer. Uh, But we have a summary here from Luke. Sounds like Patrick's upset about something. All right. Um, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And how do you think he did that? Again, by asking them questions, seeking, seeking or leading them towards answers, right, from the scriptures. And this is actually what they say. Then in verse 32, they said to one another, this is after he vanished, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Okay, so how does he open the scriptures? The same way he's doing it right now, right? By catechizing them after his resurrection um, on the third day when he carried out the work of redemption. He discussed how he had fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. Right. Oh, by the way, when we say scriptures, we mean the Old Testament. Um, think when Luke wrote this book, there, there isn't a canon of the New Testament. There isn't a collective a collected series of books. Any particular church might have a gospel, maybe a letter from Paul or from Peter, from John, maybe a copy. Um, and especially at the beginning, they, they may not even have a gospel. It may just be an oral history, not a written one yet. All right. Uh, what was the contrast? That, what's the contrast then set up uh, in verses 48 and 49? All right. So you see, so when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Then he says to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Yeah, the contrast here is Jesus has two fathers. He has one on earth and, and another, the other in heaven. Um, but despite everything that Mary believed, did Mary and Joseph understand these words of Jesus? Luke is clear. They did not. All right. uh, now, as clear as it is to us, and it's hinted to in the writing here, because you see, my father is, of course, capitalized. That helps. And it points towards God the Father. But 
Um, we understand. We understand through work, through faith, that the real work of Jesus was to be his death and resurrection as is written in the law and the prophets. That's, what, that's his father's business. That's what he's about. Right? And he's beginning that work or he's continuing that work that was begun at his birth here as he is in the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 51, um, why is it, what is very important about what's said here in regards to the fourth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother, right? Why is this important then? Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, right? So he kept the fourth commandment. Remember, he's fulfilling the law. He's not abandoning the law. He's fulfilling it. He's completing it. And then we hear that Jesus, um, again, Jesus with wisdom in verse 52, he grew in wisdom and in stature between God and man. Um, now, one other note that I wanted to make, and this was a reflection I got from um, a daily podcast that's called uh, the, Word of, uh, the Word Endures Forever. It's put on by uh, the Lutheran Public Radio people, same people who do issues, etc. Uh, it's an excellent uh, Bible study. He's in the book of Matthew as well, uh, or in, not as well, but he's in the book of Matthew uh, in Holy Week. Uh, he made a comment, uh, because Matthew has Jesus entering into the temple there during Holy Week, that um, for us to go to the temple is to go where his word is. Wherever Jesus is, that is the temple. Um, so literally, the temple for us, the place of sacrifice, the place of hearing God's word, the place of catechesis, is the scriptures. That's where we go. Um, And we do that two and three at a time, right? Gathering around that word, around Jesus, um, around his sacrifice. And then uh, the place of sacrifice, think the Holy of Holies, is the gospel. I think that was a a brilliant observation. I don't remember who he got it from. He told us, but um, the word endures forever. It's short. It's like a 20-minute podcast. It's shorter than this one. (laughs) Uh, uh, And it has some good insights. So I highly recommend it to you. Add that to your list of daily devotions along with uh, maybe this, as well as, uh, oh, I don't know, Christian History Almanac, or um, what would be another good one (laughs) that I produce? Unveiling Mercy, that would be another good one. That's a new podcast. It started on January 1st. All right. That goes through uh, the Hebrew words, so it's really helpful as well. Also very short, three minutes, I think, three to four minutes. All right. Some more meditation on this text. Luke sets before us the son of David, the one greater than Solomon, who would be offered up as our Passover lamb. He fulfills the hopes of the twelve tribes of Israel and is the content of the preaching of the twelve apostles. That is, this child is the center of all scripture, for all true theology is always about Christ. This Christ. He is the one who has kept the law for us in every way, whether it is the annual Passover or obedience to his parents under the fourth commandment. Even as he was missing here for three days, so after he was offered up at the feast, he would be raised again on the third day and be found teaching his disciples who had hoped to find him in Jerusalem. All right. So we confess from the catechism the seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? 
This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him, for he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yea, yes, yes, it shall be so. Always hard for me, I always revert to the catechism as I learned it uh, until they terribly switched it on us in sixth grade to a new translation. How dare they? All right. Seventh petition, let's pray. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have commanded us to pray according to the promises of the Lord's Prayer and have promised to hear us. Give us firm faith in your word so that we pray with confidence, saying, Yes, yes, it shall be so. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray the Lord give to all people concord and peace, that he preserve our land from discord and strife, that he give our country his protection in every time of need, that he direct and defend our president and all in authority, that he bless and protect our magistrates and all our people, that he watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation, that he protect and guide all who travel, that he grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness and their blessings, that he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving with Bobby, who celebrates today her birthday, with Justin and, and Bill, who celebrate their baptism. We also pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Jan, Bev, Kelsey, John, Billy Joe, Brad, and Janet, Timothy, Robert, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Penny, Roman, and his family. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Phyllis, and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of our church, especially Lutheran Church Charities, Comfort Dog Ministry, and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this week. Almighty God, you have poured into our hearts the true light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light may shine forth in our lives. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
All right. And now you understand why this hymn was <laughs> appointed for this week, this Epiphany hymn, because um, it connects to our text today. So we sing, Within the Father's House. Within the Father's house, the Son has found his home, and to his temple suddenly the Lord of life has come. The doctors of the Lord gaze on the wondrous child, and marvel at his gracious words of wisdom undefiled. Yet not to them is given the mighty truth to know, to lift the earthly veil that hides incarnate God below the secret of the Lord escapes each human eye, and faithful pondering hearts await a full epiphany. Lord, visit thou our souls, and teach us by thy grace, each dim revealing of thyself with loving heart to It's so good to be in the Father's house hearing the Father's word, his son Jesus Christ, as he speaks to us and asks us questions and leads us deeper into his word that we too, like Jesus, would grow in wisdom and stature before God and men. Um, speaking of wisdom and stature before men, uh, I've had some uh, questions from many of you. Uh, my mother's in here, but others have asked, uh, what should our response be as Christians? You'll See, I uh, shared on Facebook a quote, um, a fellow pastor that I, I echo, and you can look at that on my wall, or um, I sent out a letter yesterday via email uh, with some options as, as to how to pray, and uh, also then linked to our, our consideration yesterday. Um, the one thing that I really, I think, well, I feel compelled to say about um, the actions on uh, January 6th um, is that you're being deceived. And, and I know this is, this is hard to hear, 
This is hard to hear. Um, but you are being deceived as to the severity of what happened um, and as to um, certainly the implications that it has for our government and for our, our, our country. And uh, a simple just thought experiment that you might do is to say, how did uh, our country respond to the occupation of a uh, federal courthouse in Seattle for a month this summer? Where they were literally being bombed, there were bombs going off, uh, you know, homemade and otherwise. Uh, there were violence, there was many people murdered. Or, for example, how, how did our country respond um, to the riots and mass protests, many of which were violent, but destruction of property, say in Minneapolis? Minneapolis alone is estimated at, at two, um, I get the number right, yeah, two, it's billion. Is it two billion? No, it's two million dollars worth of damage done in uh, Minneapolis. Um, the worst thing that happened uh, in the Capitol building is some broken windows and some offices that were, uh, papers were thrown everywhere. Um, actually, that's not the worst thing. That's the worst damage that was done. Uh, of course, um, there was the officer uh, who died last night, or was announced last night. Uh, there was a woman who was shot, um, who was one of the protesters. And, um, and then there's some others who have other, died from other injuries that we don't know about. All right, so I think a total of four or five. It's five now. Right. Uh, this pales in comparison to anything else that happened this summer. And yet our response to that um, was nowhere near commensurate. This is why I'm telling, telling you that you're being lied to. Um, those who were in the Capitol, they, didn't, they weren't even armed. Uh, it was the worst, it's the worst insurrection or coup attempt I've ever seen. The lamest. These people were not trying to overthrow the government. Um, they were simply frustrated at not being heard. Their voices not being heard in the courts, in the legislatures, by their governors, by their state officials, by um, their elected officials in Washington. That's simply what it was. Uh, in the same way that Black Lives Matter, um, despite being funded by uh, and, and supported by Marxists who want to overthrow our government, many of the people involved in that simply have the same complaint, um, that their concerns about racism and various aspects of our corporate life are not being heard. And so they protest. Right. So um, I, I would suggest you're being lied to uh, or manipulated, might even be a better word, by your media, by your politicians, um, by some pastors, by others who are telling you that this is the worst thing ever to happen in the history of the entire United States of America. And I honestly don't think so. It, may, it might be the most dramatic thing to happen since 9-11, but I don't even think that's true. Because we were told all summer to look the other way um, when, what was it, four, ten square blocks of Seattle were under occupation by dissidents, violently, with guns, armed. Um, was that not worse than what we saw uh, on January 6th? Uh, and uh, it's being used, it's being manip or you're being manipulated and used um, in the process. Uh, this, there's a term, that, a new term that came up this summer. It's called gaslighting. I don't, you've probably seen it. It comes from a film, actually. Um, I think from the 50s, if I remember right, the original use of it. Oh, yeah, 1938 stage play called Gaslight. And then there were film adaptations in 1940, 1944, right? So this, this, is, uh, the this is a way of telling you that what you see, what you think you're seeing is not what it actually is. So you see a man dressed as a buffalo with his face painted um, uh, as with an American flag standing at the Speaker of the House's position with a bullhorn. Um, you see, you're being told that that's a gross act of violation of, of sacred space, it's insurrection, it's sedition, it's rebellion, and it needs to be prosecuted as domestic terrorism. This is by our new president-elect, by the way. Those are his words. 
Um, or that's his title too that he's appointed for himself, which is frankly just not true. But that's what you're being told. You're being told that by the media. You're being told that by um, the newly elected officials, and you're meant to just go get along with it. Um, and this is all leading to actually the really important point. And some of you are still here, so that's good. I'm glad you're uh, received this. By the way, I don't do this as like a just a public post generally, um, because I believe that you you are you are capable. Those of you who are still here are capable of hearing what I'm saying, because you're daily in God's Word. You have a grounding. You have a foundation, and that and it's it's religious. It's moral. It's cultural. Right. God's Word does all of that. Brings you into the church. Brings you into the midst of um, frankly, like-minded people associate with them, um, but your grounding and your foundation, the way that your life is directed, the way that you understand what you see in this world is through the lens of God's word, which is why he speaks to you. And that's why he speaks to you daily. Um, so you're capable of receiving that. And, th and that's actually a really important point. That's really where I was going with this is that, um, our, our political establishment um, our corporate media, our actually corporations themselves, um, including people like Coca-Cola and Unilever and I can't even see oil companies, all sorts of people are weighing in and talking about how this is rebellion and sedition and whatnot. Um, and there, there's some truth to that, but of course, nowhere near the severity of what we saw earlier this year, or last year, I should say. Uh, they are trying to take the place of the church. They are trying to give you wisdom, what they call wisdom, which is really deceit, in place of the true wisdom, who is Jesus. Right? We can understand what we're seeing because we know that um, God's word is true. God's word has taught us um, that, that nations come and go. Just read the book of, uh, of Judges. Read the book, book, book of Kings. Even God's own nation um, falls into dis disarray and discord, and it always happens for the same reason. Same reason why this country is in the position it is now is that we've lost our cultural, moral, institutional foundation, which is God's word, and had been God's word for, um, for a great period of time, right? But like Friedrich Nietzsche said back in the 50s, um, God is dead. And that was a lament. Nietzsche was lamenting how um, our world, what we saw in the 20th century, you know, 150 million plus people murdered under um, terrorist, excuse me, tyrannical leadership that was a result of the absence of god's word okay and, and that's what we're seeing now too in our country and that's the reason for it um that we have no capacity to respond to what we saw yesterday with any kind of wisdom or not yesterday i guess it was two days ago now yeah two days ago and uh, we can't do it in moderation and we can't do it with sober judgment we can't even laugh at it and say how absurd that wasn't that wasn't a that wasn't insurrection that wasn't a riot these were people that went into a public building. They shouldn't have probably been allowed to in there, and some of them did some pretty stupid things, and there were probably some bad actors in there too that acted in ways that they shouldn't have, of course. And, and we lament those who died. Greatest national tragedy ever? That's a joke. That's laughable. We lament those who died. We grieve over really the stupidity of our fellow citizens. Um, and I think we also need to remember that Given that situation, we may have done the same thing. I know I would have. I would have gone in. Why not? What the greatest prank ever? A guy dressed as a buffalo standing at the speaker station. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I would say use some more sober judgment. Um, lament the situation in our country. 
Um, but I think you need to reach out um, to our political establishment and tell them to sober up themselves and not to fall for this escalating rhetoric. This It's spiraling out of control and it's being done intentionally so that you lose your footing, you lose your grasp of reality. You no longer know what's true and right and good. All right. So uh, that's my meditation for today on that. <laughs> I've got a lot of things in my head. Um, so calm down. That'd be another way to put it. Go to work. Take care of your family. Study God's word. Um, and stay there and you'll be, you'll be fine. Uh, and you might need to seek out new platforms because Facebook will ban you if you dare say anything about it. <laughs> and Twitter and YouTube and wherever else. So you might need to move to some other places. Um, even with this as they say that this might be even hate speech, what I just said. I don't know. I'll probably get banned on YouTube today. We'll see. (laughs) So Lord be with you all, and uh, we'll see you again in the morning.